So, journey into the unknown while trusting God. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. Please pray with me. Dear Lord God, you order all things, and you are life. We live and move in the freedom you give us. We pause today and thank you for the sustaining, protecting, and nurturing that you have shown us, unseen and often unacknowledged. We ask that today you would change that in us by the power of your word and love into deep and express gratitude and help us to live that way continually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from Christ Jesus, our Lord, and God, our Father. Road trip. The hearing of that word incites travel plans, excitement, and discovery. Road trip. Where have we gone? Where are we going? And when do we leave? It starts the process of going, of leaving. It starts the process of experiencing, making new memories, and all of the interactions that happen, and then arriving at a destination where we enjoy what has been prepared for us. Road trip. That is our summer series where we are tracking our wanderings and thinking about our spiritual trust journey that happens every day with the Lord. It's been calculated that we, if we live to 70, and many of us may have reached 70, and maybe just a little bit beyond, um, God has gifted you with 25,000 days. How will you spend them this summer and beyond? Well, today we look at Abram, known as Abraham later. But in our anchor verse today, God told Abram to go. In Hebrew, it reads, Lech Lecha Arach. Translated, time to leave. Get yourself out, and I will show you. I like those words because they have to kind of shake us loose from what is comfortable. We all like what is comfortable. And any time we're moving or taking a vacation or doing whatever disrupts that, we need at first some sort of catalyst to kind of get us going and to keep us going. All you have to do, God said to Abram, is leave. Follow my lead, and I'll take care of the rest. That was really a completing of a journey that had begun by, been uh, begun by Abram's father, Terah, who took them to Haran, and that's where they find they're going to be leaving halfway to Canaan, and now moving on. They had come from an ancient city, the ancient metropolitan city of Ur of Chaldea, and that was a very, um, very busy city. It was a very successful city, and it was a city that sometimes we overlook when we think about ancient cities. Uh, they had a great deal of sophistication and knowledge. They had libraries there, and as a result of that, probably Abram was not without skills. He was educated, he was hardworking, and he was a man of faith. And now, in the death of his father, Terah, Abram says his farewells and prepares for that journey that is to take him 
into Canaan, but in the course of it is to absolutely change his life. He's 75 years old. That would be a time when you would stay. You're settled. You know everything. You know the plan. You know the country. But now God says, go at 75. God is going to be his travel agent, his guide, and his relocator, and he's going to provide everything. In faith, Abram's response is that he goes. What will he go through? What will he experience? Is going to change his life and his family's life. And in fact, the very fact of that message, that conversation, hinges on our being here today. If he had said no to God, I would rather stay here in Haran, we would not be blessed. And we would not be sitting here with the knowledge of a Savior, of a God who has loved us and given himself for us. Because that's exactly what God intended. He said, I'm going to bless you, Abram, bless your family, but I am going to bless all the families in the world. But he had to go through. He had to experience something that was not always easy. In any road trip, and certainly in our life, we're invited to discover the unknown, the unplanned, and the unwanted. Sometimes we plan out a vacation and it doesn't work just the way we would like. In some cases, it, we end up in a different place doing different things. But wherever we are in this faith journey, God is still planning and working to bless us and others. That's what he's committed to. If we know that for certain, we have peace. If we are struggling with that concept, then we're going to struggle even more in our lives, whatever the changes may be. If they're taking a trip, if they're changing a job, if they're even a loss of someone that we love. Just as he took care of Abram, he's going to take care of us. That is the faithful God. And we can be sure of that today and into the next moments of our lives. In the gospel today, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. A lawyer comes to him, and in the case of the Jewish setting, he was a a lawyer, he was a man of the letters in terms of the law of God, of the word of God. And so he knew what it was when he came to Jesus. In fact, that's why it's identified that he came to trick Jesus. And you'll notice that when Jesus had interaction with people, he never turned anyone away. He always welcomed them, whatever their motivation was. He was always merciful and kind and would even in those antagonistic situations offer an opportunity for that person to change, to become somebody different, even if they began in the wrong way. He would maybe turn it around and present a question back to them that would cause them to reevaluate who they were, what they were saying, what they were doing, what they were thinking, what they believed, in order to bring them to a fuller understanding of God's love and purpose and plan. Well, this Samaritan that Jesus spoke about had a plan for a trip, but that itinerary probably did not include a victim bloodied on the side of the road, naked, laying, and dying. Someone who required medical attention and transport and housing, but he chose not to pass when he saw that need. It said that he had pity or compassion on the man. Now, already, those people who we thought should stop didn't. And then Jesus answered, asking, who 
was the neighbor. Now, the Samaritans were a people that were Jewish in part, but they had intermarried. And so when a true Jew was making a trip, they would not pass through Samaria. They would make the trip around Samaria. They would avoid Samaria. And so here we see a completely different picture because sometimes we, in our minds, categorize someone, throw them into a titled um, grouping, and then we believe everyone fits that grouping. And you know what the, God, what the Lord does? He surprises us. He opens up our mind to who really is our neighbor. When we were in Wyoming many years ago, we had a pulpit exchange, and a pulpit exchange is when we, we visited each other's churches on Sunday morning. Well, it happened to be in a time when the weather was, was unpredictable, and we waited until Sunday morning to go, and in Wyoming, everything is at least 100 miles apart. In fact, the church that I was going to be in uh, was even further than that. And so we got up early in the morning, packed up the kids, winter clothing on, got in the car and started driving on the interstate. And we hit a place because the wind blows all the time. If you've ever been to Wyoming, anybody been here to Wyoming? The wind blows all the time, 24-7. I'm literally, your house rattles 24-7. And when it doesn't rattle, it's eerie. Think, what has happened? And it blows all the time. Well, we hit a cup of place on the interstate where the police had said, yes, they've even been turned around just by a, a gust of air because it's black ice. It forms in this place. Well, we hit that, and we went all over and then ended up almost upside down, totaling our car with our children and all of us hanging in our seatbelts. And we laid there trying to figure out what the next stage was, if everybody was okay. Um, we had one daughter who didn't have her seatbelt on, isn't that? Don't, you have daughters or, or children sometimes that do just the opposite, and then you realize it because they're standing outside the car looking at us, wondering what's happened. And my wife remembers the funny part of that was hanging upside down and telling her to put her shoes on in the snow. <laughs> Honey, I don't think that's the most important thing right now. <laughs> but a mother is always a mother, loving. And as we laid there, we noticed there was a, there's very little traffic. It was early in the morning. We did see a truck stop and two men get out and start running toward us. And then they started to slow down because the truck that we were in was so demolished that they were afraid what they might find when they opened the doors or came upon it. Now, we did get rescued. We did get medical help. We went to um, a congregation that was closer. It wasn't where I was going to preach. But when I met with a pastor who was filling our pulpit, we we told him this story, and he said, oh, yes, I remember driving by and seeing that red vehicle there. Now, I have to tell you, there were not, at that time, there were not that many red vehicles, and certainly not in our town. And when I heard that, my heart just became full of rage. I have to tell you, I was angry at this man. He had been so focused on getting from his congregation to my congregation to stand in this pulpit and to preach a message of grace and love and forgiveness and had driven right by us on the side of the road. And then I thought, what would I have done? I might have done exactly the same thing. 
and I had to forgive him for that and know that sometimes we get so focused on doing what we've been assigned to do that we miss all the need that God is providing for us on the side of the road to get our attention and to shape us and change us more drastically than checking off things on a list. Now, could he have helped us any more than anyone else did? Probably not. But it would have made a giant impact in our lives, knowing that we were connected with other clergy and families in the wide open spaces of Wyoming, trying to bring the gospel in a loving way. Sometimes we have to remember to stop and smell the roses, to see the people around us, not just how to accomplish our task. When Jesus came, he accomplished the task. He went the distance. He counted the cost. He met people at their greatest point of need. And he prepared people for the end of the journey, preparing them for heaven forever. That's why in Hebrews it says that many people did not see the end of their hope because they died before the Savior came. But they had that promise, the word of God to hold on to, as we have the promise of the word of God and the accomplishment of Jesus Christ who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus wants our journey of faith to be sure and certain. And then he says, go and do the same. Just like he said to that lawyer when he asked that question, who is my neighbor? We are encouraged to go from here. And all the joy and the assurances and the love and the forgiveness that we are experiencing and share that in our faithful attitudes in our extra mile actions and our willingness to walk with someone and present Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. That's what this is all about. We come to be encouraged. We come to let go of those things that get in the way. We come to fellowship with each other. We come to know that we're not alone in this faith walk. We come to hear the assurances of God and to hear the testimonies of how God has worked in people's lives so that we can go and share that same experience, that same invitation with someone else. We have a hungry, dying world. We often bemoan the fact of the evil in the world, but we, like Abram, who said yes to God and actually went, are invited to do the very same because God blessed him and blessed through him. Helen Keller said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Now that sounds like a wonderful statement. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. But it doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't know the backstory, if you don't know the story of Helen Keller, who lost her sight and hearing at 19 months of age from scarlet fever. And then five years later, her parents, who were well off, talked to Graham Bell, and he suggested hiring a woman named Ann Sullivan, a teacher. And that teacher is the one who broke through Helen's world of silence and desperation. Helen was like an animal. 
She was out of control. Her parents felt so bad because she couldn't do anything and she couldn't, in her mind, there was this person who wanted to reach out, to connect, but she didn't have language. She couldn't hear. She couldn't speak. She couldn't see. Until Anne, in teaching her connecting words with objects, one day was working with her and running water in her hand, running the water in her hand, and then signing, running the water and signing in her hand. And finally, finally, Helen understood. Helen connected that what was running in her hand, which she could still tactilely feel, was called water. And we just walk through life so often. Maybe we struggled with learning how to read, but most of us have had no problem with connecting all of these things in our brain. And that was the open door to the rest of her life. Helen Keller was educated. She graduated cum laude. She wrote books. She championed the disabled. And she was heralded by presidents and moguls. And at one point in her life, Ann Sullivan, her teacher, who, by the way, went to college with her, and every lecture that she did not hear, her teacher signed in her hand. Now, that's commitment. That's a commitment of love. That's a God connection. And also introduced her to Phillips Brooks. Phillips Brooks was an Episcopalian pastor, was also a writer, and he was the one that wrote, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And he introduced Helen to Jesus. And you know what Helen said? She said, I always knew he was there. But I didn't know his name. This magnificent God is not put off by any limitations in any way and is able to take something that is such a severe disability and turn it around as he blesses that individual and blessed hundreds and thousands of people. Matt Marr is a wonderful songwriter, and he has written this song, What a Friend. The words are this. Everyone has trials and temptation. Everyone knows heartbreak, isolation, but we can lay our burdens down, lay our burdens down. What a friend we have in Jesus, east to west, my sins are gone. I see grace on every horizon, and forever and ever, his heart is my home. Everyone has fears. Everyone got worries. Everyone knows sorrow, devastation, but we can lay our burdens down. No more betrayal, for he is faithful. He fills me up, and my cup runneth over. No more betrayal, for he is faithful. He has proven it over and over again. What a friend we have in Jesus. East to west, my sins are gone. I see grace on every horizon. And forever and ever, his heart is my home. As you travel, as you walk through this life, may Jesus be your home. May he be the one that, whose voice you hear. May he be the one that when he says go, you say yes. May you be blessed, and may you bless others in his name.
the peace that passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, now and forever.